Hello, it girls, it gays, and it theys. Welcome back to Basically It. My name is Emily Casson and I am your host. Now, I know what you're thinking. Where's Blondie? Do not fear. Ellie Jemay Nichols is safe and sound. She's on vacay. So where does that leave basically it? Now that is a good question, gals. That leaves basically it in Emily's hands for a week. (laughs) However, I know that's a scary prospect, but nevertheless, a reality. So I have decided to bring on a really good friend of mine and also an ex-colleague, Teal Scarfoni, who's going to join me today. Teal is a, well, she's one of the most talented gals in the world. (laughs) Cue Megan. Teal is another corporate gal. However, Teal also is a successful content creator at Beautiful on Instagram. That is at Beautiful. I'll put it in the show notes. I've always wanted to say that. (laughs) So enough babbling from the queen. Let's get into today's episode. Cue the vibe. Cop gal energy. Culturally explosive. I cannot. I cannot. <laughs> that is basically it. Happy hump day, Teak. <laughs> Hello, how was your day? It's been good. I went into the office, cool. which was really nice at my new job. And yeah, I just met a few people and now I'm here. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We are very, very excited to have you. Thank you for stepping in for Ellie while she's letting her very small hair down. She doesn't do that very often, so it's good to see her let her hair down. (laughs) Yes, thank you for having me and for both of you wanting me to be on the podcast. Of course. So before we get into today's conversation, as you know, we do a little thing here at Basically It called, it used to be called It and Not It, but now it's just called It and It because we're (laughs) positive vibes only. So you were the guest. Would you like to kick us off with your It of the Week? I would. It is kind of an it of semi last week, but also this week, and you're actually part of it. Mm. So last week, a few of us used to work together, including M. We went to Toddy's, mm. which is one of our favorite places in the world, as I think the girls have spoken about on the podcast previously. Yes. But um, yeah, it was just really nice to catch up with all of them, and we had a bit of a fun night. We were loose. We were very loose. We dropped it dropped low it and low. picked it up. I think we had some like Hannah Montana in there and some some good vibes and good music. Um, but yeah, that was my it. Can Just I say that when Shania Twain <laughs> Let's Go Girls plays on the on the you get on the boom and you dance. Now you kick the door you down the door of its hinges. Down. Oh my goodness. I agree that was such an it. I'm going to keep my it very, very short and sweet, considering we've got lots and lots to talk about. My it is actually connected to yours. So as fun as that night was, it was so good to see everyone. It's so hard to get everyone in the same room and diaries aligned. And we've had a very, very long lockdown. So it was beautiful to see everyone. But what my it for the week is, is seeing our beautiful closest friends all doing so well in their careers. We've had two promotions from contracts to permanent positions and everyone else in their new job seems to be thriving and enjoying it and I just think that honestly is what it's all about you know just seeing your friends doing well 
everyone's so honestly happy for each other. And I feel like such a lucky girl to have such intelligent and happy and smart women in my life. So I'm honestly so proud of everyone. And I am so excited to see this little group of hot gals take over the world. So tiki take. Shall we get into today's episode? I think we should. So would you like to give our listeners a little context about Beautiful and why you decided to start it considering you already have a really good job and you had a really good job before when you did start it? Yeah, so I think at first, as Em said, at the time I was in a good job and I was happy with what I was doing but I was working in a business to business industry so I always felt like there was this creative part of me that wasn't getting any airtime. so with that being said after having worked kind of doing my graduate program and then being promoted to consultant and that sort of thing I felt like I was really annoying people as well on my personal Instagram account and so I would always be doing like flat lays and kind of taking pictures of things that people like my friends probably wouldn't be interested in. Not at all. Um, by the way, I felt like it was very. I was always like the, the queen of a flat lay. I'm like, how the hell did I she do, do it? I do like a flat lay, and so I'd I'd done that for a while, and then eventually we ended up in lockdown thanks COVID nineteen. But COVID. I posted like one of my last pictures on my personal Instagram, and then that night I was like, hey. I've wanted to do this for a while. I've taken so many pictures. It's why I got my job in the first place because it was part of my interview process doing a flat lay. And then, yeah, I set up the Instagram account. Originally, it was called something different, but oh, yeah. then I can't remember what it was called. Claire Teal. Yes, I remember. You I'm your biggest it. fan. Oh, um, so, yeah, it was Claire Teal, and that just didn't feel very personal in the end, but changed it to Beautiful. And yeah, it all started from really not having that creativity at work and loving beauty and loving fashion and yeah started it started posting regularly and taking a lot more photos and then here we are today I think it's now 12 months later built a small but really engaged following and yeah I'm getting to do the thing that I love which is create content whilst getting to work full-time in now it's a new job as well but yeah Mm. best of both worlds I think yeah and can I say as well I Obviously, Teal's one of my good mates and I've seen this account grow from the first day when you messaged us saying yeah. I've started this and you had like one follower yep. to how many followers do you have now? Oh, I don't even know. I think I've, I've got, I'm just checking out. So I've got just under 2,400. Yeah. Amazing. Like you've started from the bottom. Yeah. I think another really interesting thing about you and one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on this podcast is... It's obviously like the Australian dream these days to have um, a social media presence and following, but I feel like a lot of people rely on either their lifestyle, their money, or going on a reality TV show to get a following, and then they'll go and build a platform, whether it's a bikini line or whether it's just a lifestyle influencer account, whereas you're any other girl. Yeah. You've started the least like influencer type person that you'd probably yeah. Teal is like the sweetest, quietest, like most beautiful girl. Oh, thank you. Anytime, (laughs) and you didn't have a social media presence. You're not a media personality. You're not somebody that was seeking a following as such. 
but you've built this account and that's why I think it's so cool even though these days you don't need a humongous following to still get the job done and do what you need to do but you've built a decent following from the ground up and I feel like that's a really interesting concept because so many people will literally hustle for years and years like I've seen people that just rely on like their like looks Looks. or their like fashion or like what their parents buy for them and their lifestyle to try and build an account and it never takes off like they'll have 500 followers and it'll never take off whereas essentially you've built a monetized account even though you've got like a small following it's a super engaged following and that's all that brands need to look at when they're looking at metrics to engage with you and send you things when you started yeah What were your intentions? Like, I know you spoke a little bit about your love for skincare and makeup and fashion, but were your intentions that you want to build this past that micro-influencer stage or was it more just a love for creating content? I think it's a bit of both. I'm not going to lie and say I did it just because I love creating content. Like, that's Mm -hmm. that's 90% of it. But I think even when I reached 100 followers, which was so tiny, but... I think I remember like messaging you girls yeah. and being like, if I can get drunk elephant products sent to me for free yeah. or Mecca products sent to me for free, that's like my goal made. So of course I never thought I'd be able to monetize it. I definitely yeah. wanted to be able to receive products and test them out because there's only so much that you can buy on kind of a consultant or graduate wage. Yeah, of course. Um, skincare is expensive and beauty is sure. expensive. But yeah, for the most part, it was never like 100% wanting to monetize it or necessarily get anywhere with it but it was just having that platform to be able to I guess not feel like I'm annoying people with my beauty posts and also for other people to see it that were interested in it so you call yourself a digital creator Mm -hmm. is that right yeah digital content creator sorry that's correct not an influencer now I feel like I understand the difference between those two titles but do you mind just explaining a little bit more about the difference between being a digital content creator and being an influencer most definitely and I feel like to this day I even get confused about it sometimes because there's so many nuances and the line is most definitely blurred but if we separate it I guess at the content level I would say that an influencer definitely has less of a niche. Mm -hmm. So you might see someone promoting like gym gear, like Gymshark one day, and then the next day they're also promoting Dior. Yeah. Um, So they kind of flow between different things and different kind of categories, whether it be into beauty and fashion and lifestyle and sporting and that sort of thing. Whereas a content creator or a digital content creator, typically they have more of a niche. Mm -hmm. So they're seen as more of a subject matter expert in what they are putting out so for me why I feel like I fit more in that content creator section rather than the influencer section is because I focus more so purely on like beauty fashion and lifestyle Um, and that's one of the very basic differences and nuances between it but it even goes even deeper than that influencers they're selling not just products but they're also selling themselves and a lifestyle yeah whereas a content creator they're creating content and mainly going to try and sell that content so that's what I feel like the main differences are in terms of those two mm-hmm. but something interesting that I feel like has only come up in the past really like few years is because there was no real kind of legality behind mm-hmm. influencers and having to disclose paid partnerships or paid ads or anything like that a lot of people and this is nothing against influencers or 
at all, but there is a bit of a distrust yeah. towards influencers nowadays because it's kind of like, well, how do I know if they're just saying that they like this thing in order to make commission and get money from it and get this post out? Whereas content creators disclose it more and people yeah. don't expect a content creator to sell them something or even like necessarily care about the content creator's opinion. They just find it a pretty post, I guess. Well, I, I think know, it comes back explain. to that concept you said before about content creators being mm. subject matter experts. Yes. You're not, you're visible. Like your person is visible yeah. on your story, but you're not selling you. Exactly. You're selling, you know, this beautiful content you create. And as you build a bit more of a brand personality on Instagram, you've, started you know talking a little bit more on stories and stuff like that but when you started you weren't as I said you weren't somebody that was already either famous or had a platform so you weren't going in saying my name's Teal and buy this because my name's Teal Teal. you were saying I'm in the background what's in the foreground is this beautiful skincare product and this is why I like it and you do reviews and then you know you build trust I think we discussed this a little bit in episode two with the Chugi um, episode. <laughs> Great episode if you haven't listened to it. Oh, go ahead. Gosh, she's a good girl. <laughs> um, we discussed a little bit about like the discount influences and obviously there's mm. different types of influences these days. It's a super saturated market. But I feel like the, the model of being an influencer when it first started was that you're following a person. Yeah. You're not following necessarily, as you said, like they're not experts in anything. You're just following right. a person because they're hot and they've got a cool life and you're jealous and you want to buy everything that they have however as it's become a saturated market now there's like hundreds and thousands of people coming off these reality tv shows with followings as you said there's like there's not a level of trust anymore because they're not selling all these random products because they love them they're selling them because it's the brand deals they're getting based on whatever show they were on and you're like well do you even like that teeth whitening strip, exactly. Sarah? And, and it all goes back to trust at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think with when you see the whole Facebook like data leak scandal and all yeah. of that, people are genuinely really skeptical nowadays about who to trust, what platform to trust, and all of that kind of thing. And even if it's something little as looking at a content creator's post over an influencer's post, and like the algorithm definitely is actually favoring like smaller content creators as opposed to these big time influencers. You can see the sort of the fakeness behind their, the products they push. A hundred percent. It depends. Some are smart. Like I feel like someone like Martha from Mouse is so smart. Like she, I would say is probably the most successful influencer to come out of Mouse. I'm a huge fan of hers and she's found her niche obviously she started on a reality tv show but she's found her niche in skincare she was a makeup artist before mouse and that's something that she's really knowledgeable about and she's lent into that yeah and she's lent into that but then you've got these like really basic (laughs) girls that come off the bachelor and within seconds of saying that they were on it to find love holding a spray tan Yeah. yeah for sure i think in addition to that as well you'll find that there's some really smart people that you would probably perceive as influencers who you would like, you would look at them on Instagram and be like, okay, you've got 
800,000 followers or like 1.1 million and you'd think of them as an influencer but they're actually playing the game Mm. of a content creator one that I can think of and she's her content is incredible it's fashion related but her name's Tara Milk Tea on Instagram she's stunning she partners with Dior and everything all the time but she will refer to herself as a content creator Mm. not an influencer which with a following as big as hers I think is just crazy but yeah like she will actually create content for things that she loves it's not necessarily just any old brand deal it'll be for the things that she purposefully loves yeah and it's a very very curated in an artsy way feed rather than just here's a product here's a product here's a product and here's like you said me in the foreground um as opposed to like the product being there another one that I realized recently and she's obviously pivoted so well I didn't even realize she was an influencer first is Anine Bing did you know she was an influencer no, first? No. So if you don't know who Anine Bing is, she's... Look this up. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I My friend told me the other day and she's pivoted so well to become a serious designer. Like she's a very chic designer. I never even knew she was an influencer in the first place. So Anine Bing is... There's a store in Paddington, but she makes really cool teas and like really tailored pieces. And it's very much like on trend, black and white, monochromatic. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at it now. It's yeah, I love like Ellie and I both are big (gasps) stands of Anine Bing. Yeah, she's really cool. So I think there are some that do really well out of it. But as I said before, it's a super saturated market and you need some wits about you to cut through. So what I'm really interested to hear you talk about while we have you is how you built up your account from the ground. So what strategies did you use to get noticed considering the fact that you did start from scratch? So for context, Teal is a digital marketer yes. by trade <laughs> and is a very like, I'm a marketer too, but I'm not a techie marketer and I do marketing strategy. There's definitely a field of marketing out there that's becoming very techie. Yes. People don't realize like how technical yeah. digital marketing really is and how much you need to stay across algorithm changes and ways to engage and because you had that background I think that set you up for success in this so I'm just keen to hear like some of the strategies that you used in the early days for sure and yeah most definitely I find that the digital marketing background helped um but with that being said I had a digital marketing background in purely b2b business to business and like I said I was always craving that creativity and that like business to consumer kind of area too but I didn't realize how different it would be Mm. um not coming from a brand and actually coming from kind of myself but in terms of things that I did that really helped kick it off I just started posting consistently Mm -hmm. and that's something I try to continue to this day definitely just making sure I'm posting a few times a week because you want to be able to show up in the algorithm and you want Mm -hmm. your things to be appearing that was one thing and then also figuring out what hashtags worked and where I would show up they were kind of the very basic things that I started with and then I would start to tag brands because the more people that you tag like the algorithm again favors that and it shows up in that brand's feed and you would hope to be reposted kind of like in the early days so you would show up in that brand's tagged post section and the brand might want to repost you which was really cool so they're the main things that I did at the very beginning 
But then as I started to kind of play the game, played a little bit smarter, I started engaging and following a lot more people. Mm -hmm. I would never be one of those people that would be like, hey, follow me back, follow for follow. Because I found that so cringy, no offense to anyone else. (laughs) Um, It just felt inauthentic. It didn't feel like it was me to do that. So I would follow people who I liked and I would engage with their content. And even today, I'll spend like three and a half hours plus a day engaging with people. You have to comment back on every single one of your comments. You should be commenting on other people's posts as well and engaging with people that message you in your DMs and messaging other people too, putting stuff up on your stories. So it was really just figuring out like what that cadence was. But then on top of that, I ended up making a few friends online like little virtual friends how fun (laughs) that were in the same sort of niche as me which was really helpful because it meant that you had people online that had your back and that were just genuinely excited to see your content yeah um they're the like big things i can think of and speaking of brand deals how (laughs) did you what was your first pr um gift and how did you feel about that first pr gift I cannot remember the brand name for the life of me. Oh my God. But it was a little like K-Beauty brand that sent me a bunch Mm. of their products. And I was so excited. It just like rocked up at my door one day after they'd asked me for my address. And so yeah, that was one of my first gifts. I think it was skincare at that time because I was pretty much like purely posting skincare. skincare. I remember, yeah. So that was the first thing that I got. But being a smaller like content creator or anyone with a small following is that you'll do what's called like a contra collaboration. Nothing is really ever sent to you just for free. You're not paying anything, mm-hmm. but they would say, hey, can we send you X, Y, Z in return for doing a post? Sometimes it's like four posts, but yeah. usually I turn them down because it's just so much Too effort. Many. Yeah. Like a post and a story. And it's, yeah, you're they're giving you something in return for you creating something. So it's called a contra collaboration. So that's what that one was. So I mm-hmm. had to post about it. I guess, can I talk about my favorite PR that I yes, received? Yes, please. <laughs> I think my, I have two favorites and it was really a milestone for me. I felt like I'd made it. You Not have. that I have. But no, you have. in my mind, it was like, if I was to collaborate with two brands, that like these would be it. I got to collaborate with Mecca, which is Yay, it's a dream. It was, so it was my dream. If you like all my friends know that literally Mecca is my favorite shop in the universe. Um, so I got to collab with them. They sent me a bunch of their products, which are amazing. And then I also just recently, within the last few weeks, got to collab with Drunk Elephant. Oh. And both of these Again, I I was so excited. These actually weren't contra collaborations. They weren't paid collaborations either where I was being paid to create content, but I was just sent the content. Yeah. Sent the products with like no expectation to post, which was super exciting. That is exciting. That's that's a good indication that you have made it. Can I just say when I went to Teal's house for lunch, (laughs) she had like literally, she likes to sell herself short. She had an entire cupboard of PR stuff and... I was just in awe of it and may have gotten a few gifts, which I am obsessed with. I feel like a really interesting part of your journey is not just how you manage from a workload perspective, but also how you've dealt with the attitudes towards side hustles. Because I feel like in the past, side hustles have always been 
sort of frowned, frowned upon, upon because you're meant to kind of sell your soul to your job. Whereas in this day and age, everyone, well, not everyone, but so many people have side hustles, whether it's a social media side hustle or, you know, creating a product on the side. And I know a lot of people are always quite anxious that their job will think that they're, you know, half-assing or spreading themselves too thin or not committed to the job that's paying them the salary. So how do you navigate that? And also interested to hear like how you feel like the expectations of that has changed. Yeah, I think, look, it's hard. Mm. Um, I've been actually really lucky though that because I started in digital marketing, yeah, my team when I was at that first job when I started this, they were really understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I at that point would never kind of blur the boundaries between the two. I had as soon as I clocked off for the night, that's when I would create my content. At the same time, I think companies are now at a stage, and especially given that we just went through lockdowns. I think they're willing to support their people and in a selfish way, doing something like starting your own business or going onto social media, you're expanding your own skill set. So they benefit from it a little bit as well. Like they'll never admit it, but I think that's why I did get so much support at the beginning. But now fast forward, I feel like I've just started a new job and I've been really honest, like in my interviews, any interview that I went to, I said the reason why you should know that I'm so passionate about digital marketing and about digital and marketing in general is because like I do it outside of my work life. Yeah. Like, wow. That That's what I feel like has gotten me interviews or even gotten me this latest job was because I could prove that I was passionate about my job and about mm constantly learning and constantly kind of growing with this yeah well I feel like it's become it's not a hindrance it's become your differentiator exactly and I agree I think it's in the marketing world people are more supportive of Mm. these things but also I think attitudes towards the corporate grind have changed a lot since you know when our parents were in the workforce the idea of your your work self being your whole self is very much I think it's just shifted a little bit. People, especially with lockdowns, you know, you see into people's homes, you see their cat like crawling up on their shoulder, you see their kids screaming. Yeah. That idea that you're just this version, because we all have a version of ourselves we bring to work. Yes. But the idea that you're just that version of yourself has really shifted. And that's like, I, I'm a, I don't, I'm not a content creator or an influencer by any respect, but I post a lot of my social media. Well, you've got this podcast. Oh, I have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. But I post a lot of my social yes. media about my life and I would like to think that people understand that I'm more than just the five or sorry, the seven hours. Yeah. Of Emily, you see at work, I'm a full well-rounded person with friends and other interests that aren't my job. My job is a big part of my life, but I also have a lot of other parts of my life and I enjoy posting on Instagram. So therefore I feel like I don't want my nine to five to restrict me from doing something I find creative and fun. And I'm sure you're the same. Yeah. And I feel like one of the really big catalysts for this kind of kicking off was Mm -hmm. because companies are all about you bringing your whole self to work nowadays. Yeah. They, like you said, they know that you're more than just who you are from nine to five and they want to see what you can bring that's different Mm -hmm. and what makes their company a little bit kind of, um, a tick of a box but what can make them more diverse yeah um, so I feel like 
that's been the response that I've had. And I know even different industries are benefiting from it. And I'm on a really weird side of TikTok. So I get some yeah. like dentists like, showing uh-huh. up and being like TikTok dancing whilst in their dental surgery. Oh my God. But you even see like, yeah, like people wanting to go and study dentistry because they've seen these really cool dentist TikTokers or plastic surgeon, like plastic yeah. surgeons on TikTok are killing it. Yeah. And typically you would never have that visibility. Cleaners on TikTok yeah, are clean killing talk. it. Clean talk. I'm not on that. I want to be on clean talk. Clean I love talk. cleaning. Clean talk's like people are posting 10 ways to clean your shower with all these really cool tips. And they go off. And they're going off. They're like cleaner influencers. It's bloody yeah. fantastic. There's always a niche for someone. Yeah. Before we wrap up, do you have any hot tips for anyone that wants to start something similar or venture into the social media sphere? I would say do it for the right reasons. Yeah. Don't just go into it because you want an extra bit of money or you want a following because let me tell you, it is hard work. Yeah. As I said, I create content. Well, no, I don't even create content for that amount of time. I engage with people for like three and a half, four hours a day, sometimes even more. And then on top of that, I have my normal job. I have to have a social life, but I also have to create content too. Yeah. And creating content is the longest part. So do it for the right reasons because return on investment is not like equal to it. Um, That would be number one tip. And then just have fun with it. I know these both sound so cliche. No, they're good points. You won't be able to create good content or you're not going to be able to have an audience that wants to engage with you or wants to follow you if you're not into it yourself. Yeah. So make sure you're choosing a niche. If you want to choose a niche, if you're going down the content creator path that you enjoy. Yeah. Um, but make it your own at the same time. I think if we see a new social media platform come up, don't just sit there and go, oh, I'll wait until mm. like someone else comes along and and does it first. Just kickstart it yourself and you could end up like Charlie D'Amelio. Yeah, out it's, of the early, it's the early, early adopters. adopters. Yeah, 150%. Yeah. And before we wrap up, Ellie would never forgive me <laughs> if I didn't ask you as the expert what your five favorite products are. Okay, and this is really, really hard. Yeah. But um, I have so many. But number one, sunscreen is important. Everyone who's listening, wear your sunscreen daily. My favorite product in terms of sunscreen would be Ultraviolet's Supreme Screen. Yes. It is just bomb. Yep. Second, I would say a longtime favorite of mine would be the Drunk Elephant Lala Retro Cream. I use that. It is very spenny. Yeah. But love it like the same. It's just this really thick, like luscious cream, which Amazing. just goes on your face and you feel like a dream. Next one's a perfume. It's called like it's a brand called Byredo. Oh yeah. Um, and the fra- like the not the flavor. The fragrance. The fragrance, <laughs> the fragrance is in French, but it's La Tulip, so it's just like oh, yeah, tulip beautiful. scent. The next one would be, it's from Mesostetic or mm-hmm. Meso, I can't say the I think brand. it's Mesostetic. Metastetic. I don't know. It's a really hard brand. You're the experts, right yes. Um, but it's the ultimate micro peel and it just makes your skin so soft, but it's not like harsh or anything like that at all. And then lastly, especially because it just launched in Oz, it would be the Charlotte Tilbury Flawless Filter. I'm wearing it today, even though I'm bright red now, <laughs> but um. That would be my, I think that's five. Yeah. 
That's my five. I need say Charlotte Tillsbury <laughs> flawless filter. It's so good. It, it makes is... your skin feel so nice, look so nice, and you don't even need to wear foundation because it's just a oh. primer. People could put foundation on top, but oh. it just makes you look flawless. Teal, teak, tiki, oh. peel. <laughs> so many names. So many names. Thank you so much for taking your Wednesday night off to chat to us well when I say us me and my 100 personalities <laughs> me and Queenie yes um, um I know Ellie really appreciates you filling in and giving your invaluable insight into what you have done with beauty or full if anyone out there is a skincare makeup fashion fanatic like we are and I assume most of you gals are because you're listening to this podcast yes. please feel free to go have a look at Teal's Instagram. It is honestly some of, and I'm not just saying this because you're sitting next to me and you're my friend. It is honestly some of the most aesthetic content. I don't, and I don't even want to know how she does it because I like to live in the mystery of just looking at this beautiful content. Um, But it's honestly stunning and I am absolutely obsessed with what you do. So thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Should you do the honors? I think that might be basically it and that is basically it that's a wrap